Hej Rune. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. And thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Pleasure is all mine. Excited to meet you again and uh, talk watches. I've said many times on the podcast, and it's not secret, we are fanboys of your brand. We like what you do. We like your design. We, we like the Nordic, Norwegian, strong DNA and character in every shape and dial you make. Thank you so much. Nice to hear. Let's start with wrist and drink check. What's on your wrist and what's in your cup? So on my wrist, I have Fjord 2.0, the newest Fjord version. And uh, in my cup, I have a black coffee from Selsberg, Norway. Gold label filter, let me yeah. guess. The best one. I used to buy that one. Ah, it's, it's, it's a very nice one. But once you open the package, you have to drink it. And uh, for that reason, I am drinking today Frile, instant <laughs> coffee from Norway. Also yeah. <laughs> cheaper and you can have it longer in the fridge. So, but yeah. And do you know what? I have no Norwegian cup anymore. So if anybody from Norway is listening, guys, send me some cup. I'll pay for it. Rune, we know you very well here on the podcast and people from the Nordic country know who you are. Your brand is one of the first micro brands from Norway, if not the first. But for those that don't know who you are, please present yourself. Thank you. Uh, yes, my name is Rune Bruvik. I'm 46 years old, coming from the west coast of Norway. And I have three kids, one wife, and uh, yeah, enjoy uh, making watch designs. Have you been watch nerd for many years? Yeah, since 1992, to be exact, uh, the same summer that uh, Denmark won the European Championship in football. Uh, I went with my family to Switzerland on a car trip, on a holiday, and we met someone, uh, friends of my father there, and I got my first watch. It was actually a Swatch, black one, a diver with orange details, and that was it. Then I was caught up by the passion of watches. Okay, you were already back and back there and then you were hooked. Yeah, that was from the first meeting. I mean, that evening I got this watch. I was just hooked. I, I was so fascinated, fascinated by such a small item, but still like a piece of art and design and uh, still practical. So I just, uh, yeah, I just loved watches from that uh, evening and... Yeah, it was it was really mind blowing to to just um, yeah get into watches and uh, but I never thought at that point or even for a very long time that watches was something to to live from or to design. I was just uh, really passionate about looking at watches and wearing them. What was the progression in your watches? What watches did did you get after that? What watches do you like today? I never had any really expensive watches myself because uh, after that I was uh, a student. I studied physiotherapy as far as you get from uh, watch design in, in uh, the Netherlands. And uh, so I had uh, several Sartinas in different colors. I had uh, one DS square shaped with brown dial and uh, mint uh, second hand was one of my favorites. So I bought a lot of watches, but mostly not the most expensive because I didn't, I couldn't afford. But I bought watches with maybe small details like a color or something that I liked. So 
I, I was more studying the expensive stuff in the magazines and in the shops. But there is a little bit of a correlation between physiotherapy and, and, and watches. It's all about shapes. That's true. <laughs> I never thought about it, but it's, it's true. It's ergonomic and, uh, yeah, you have shapes. And uh, so maybe, yeah, of course, anatomy is, is a part of the wrist. And uh, Exactly. Yeah. I talk a lot about ergonomics on this podcast, and, and I'm often surprised by big brands with a lot of, uh, like, a capital and a lot of uh, big teams, and they come with watches that are, like, ergonomic nightmares. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's also something that I, I myself learned through these uh, 14 years I've been doing uh, product development, that to aim for a really nice fit on the wrist is, is so important because a watch is something, at least in some price range, something you're going to live with the rest of your life. So it's quite yeah. important that it fits well on your wrist. What kind of watches do you like today? I have no favorite brand, but I have um, I have favorite watches from different brands. I think like the the Senet El Primero Chronomaster, the original one with the different sub dials, is beautiful. I mean, like SUF Helsinki, the Murski, because of the boldness, dare to use that kind of color combinations and. Uh, really, really nice. I always maybe had a little sweet spot for um, the Ulusnada. And I don't know why. It's just something with the watches. They, they don't... I mean, my own designs are not close in same kind of watch. But I just always liked some of their models. It's the kind of the sportiness combined with the elegance that I really enjoy. And quirkiness and originality. Yeah. The originality there is just a DNA. And uh, also, I think uh, Laurent Ferrier has, uh, with the sport, oh, out, yeah. really, really nice. And they have other models. So, But again, that's the, some of these watches are in the price, price range that uh, yeah. is quite high. Anything Nordic? So many no- uh, nice uh, Nordic brands. Also in Norway, we have like uh, different brands like Radium. I really like the way that they made their own concept and... Uh, and do the case in Norway, uh, really nice. You have in uh, Sweden, you have Sjöshandström, really elegant pieces, and uh, there, there's a lot. And I think so many, yeah. five, six, seven, eight years, they're just blooming with nice brands and nice watches from the from the north. But before most of those, there was Bruvik. Actually, I thought about it this other day that when I started up in two thousand eight, nine, Instagram and all this. Uh, yeah, was was not there in the same way as today. So no, no, not even not even close. No, exactly. So so it was really challenging to start up, and I was very dependent of of shops and uh, media and other other ways of of getting the the name out. So which wasn't bad for you because I know that your your watches were sold next to Breitling. Yeah, I was uh, really working hard to, to achieve this, to, to get into the shops, because uh, at that time, as I said, it, it, it was more or less the only choice. So I worked really hard to get into the top shops in Norway and uh, the high-end ones. And yeah, it was really nice to be presented uh, in, the same, uh, in the same shelves as the big brands from Switzerland and Germany. That speaks volumes. How did that brand started what was the the aha moment that you was like okay now i'll do it 
the big moment was actually the day after I married in end of May 2008. Before that, I've been uh, talking to my wife so many times that I dreamt about making one watch, one watch for myself, not not a brand. And actually, as a strange part of the story is that I married my wife, who is a fashion designer, and she had her own uh, children's clothing brand, and. Uh, I supported her when she started with this, and uh, I saw that uh, hand sketches became uh, samples, became prototypes, became production, and I, I really had this big dream to make this one watch. And the day after the ma marriage, in uh, in a state who was just pure happiness, I said it again. Now I'm only missing one thing in my life, and it's the one watch. And she said, "Well, Runa, why don't you make it?" I said, "Well." It's not just to make a watch and yeah, why not? So I started a long road, a long path. And uh, one and a half year later, I had the prototype in hand. What was it called? It was based on the Arctic of Norway with the, with the light, the darkness and the, and the bright light, the two parts of the year. So it was one called black and the other one was called white. Very easy and it was uh, made in high-tech ceramic. Uh, with automatic movement, so it was uh, at that time not too often you saw the mixture of those two, the material, ceramic and automatic. And uh, then you made a few very popular models that uh, basically put you on the map. Can you talk about them? After this, especially the Fjord watch, I made the first watch uh, in the history with water inside, as far as I know crazy projects, but I wanted to be true to our slogan, to wear a piece of Norway, wear a piece of nature. So I decided very early that I wanted to go up to the top of a, of a big waterfall that runs down into a fjord. Uh, I went to the part where it goes into free flow and collected many liters of um, water. And to be honest, the factories, they were a little bit frustrated because they didn't understand why I should have water inside of the watch and uh, it just made a lot of tr troubles and problems. And uh, But I was so determined I wanted to do this and I want to do it right. So I just said we have to find uh, a solution to this. And in the end it was made a chamber in the, in the case back with sapphire crystal so you could actually see a drop of this water I collect inside of the back. And actually, the moment who made me maybe actually really proud was in 2015, when the ladies' version of this Lady Fjord uh, came second in uh, European Watch of the Year. Uh, it was not just attention to Norwegian watch brand, it was attention to Norway. You made Norway proud. Yeah, thanks. And uh, it, it was really, really a big event and a happening. And I couldn't believe it when I was in the, in the top five final and had to go to London and pre um, present this watch. And, but still, I, I was a little bit confident, actually, because I knew the watch in itself, even if we were a small micro brand not known, I knew that the watch itself, if you put it beside the other competitors, it was really a nice watch. So... It was really nice to see that the jury was really competent. It was really nice experience. And the current watch collection, what do we have today that is available and people can go and grab? 
the main uh, models that is for sale is uh, Svalbard. It's a diver. It comes in uh, today. It's uh, available in 43 millimeters. This is a model who's been very successful because it's a typical daily beater. It can take a lot of uh, punches, and uh, you can use it in every occasion. And you have the the Fjord watch, who is now in the second generation, with a very edgy, sharp case, playful case. You also have the Pulpit Rock. That's a very special. That's actually maybe the watch I made with most artistic thoughts around. Yeah, and you have now the Arctic Ocean, uh, and you also have the Fjord, Lady Fjord, with a new version. Mainly those models who is like the most yeah highlighted from from today. I absolutely love the the black edition, the forty five millimeter with the big date. It's durable. Yeah. I know about the materials. You can talk. We will talk about in a moment how the watches are made. But big crown, very solid crown. The sword-like hands, the big date, the legibility is just phenomenal. And yeah. that bezel, I have to mention. Yeah. You don't have to tell us where it's made and so on. But that bezel has a secret. It's really, really smooth. And that bezel is actually—it's not so easy to to recognize when you just see the watch by glim. But the bezel is actually—it's curved inwards, downwards. Normally, a bezel is curved, going from uh, the lowest point and the outside yeah. up. But this one is different. And then you have the raised, the, the curved uh, sapphire crystal, so you get a very special meeting point. And also with the raised numbers and the lower text, so. I think it has a nice uh, balance to it. Uh, with this watch, it was something I was really, really starting to focus on. This came first time in 2014. And uh, I really studied all the details to actually to have this ergonomics in place. It was so important because a lot of people talk about watches. Uh, how big is it? Is it 42 millimeters, 44 millimeters, or so on? But I mean, a watch with a poor ergonomical design it can be 40 millimeters but it's still too big for the wrist so this is a 45 millimeter watch and i really really wanted it to fit my own wrist i thought it had to fit every different kind of wrist and then okay it's it's a beefy watch but it's still it fits more or less all uh, all shapes and wrists fantastic my only I shouldn't say negative because because I haven't spent enough time with the watch to 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 know more. But my my only recommendation would be more straps. I would like to see orange, blue, or something because you have you have brave colors on the dials. If if yeah. you have a correlated colors straps from a Nordic maker, that will just it will elevate both the experience and the brand. In my opinion, I could yeah. be wrong. No, I agree with you totally. And uh, I see the last five years, I would say, uh, the consumers, the, the, the end buyers, they, they really love to change straps. And I understand it because uh, changing a strap is like getting a new watch, more or less, uh, in many... Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I work with these days. And uh, I think for, for most models, it's, uh, it's important today that it's not just a watch and here's the bracelet and you're finished it's more to to have the flexibility to change the watch now uncomfortable question yeah how are the watches made 
how they're made. Yeah. The watches are made by sourcing the best materials that I can find from my partners. After five years at the Basel show and experience in production, I gained a lot of nice uh, contacts in the production world of watches. What is actually very important is also that I establish contact with companies who can do the, uh, the brushing, the details, the polishing. And that's actually very important because it's not just to make something in steel. I mean, it's all these details that I have to take care about and make better for every watch I make. I also use some companies outside of Switzerland, like for some of the hands, I make them in, in France, actually. That's also by extremely skilled factories. It's very important that my suppliers understand my thinking, because if not, it's very difficult to get the, the, the correct expression. And yeah, we have to save time and money because it's very costly to make. When you make a prototype from ground, as I do, there's no uh, white label here. It's, it's, everything is made from the first scratch. And that's very costly, but still, I, this is the way I worked all the time and I want to continue to work because I think it's the most honest and genuine way of making watch designs to build it from, the, from scratch. And you do the, the quality control and the assembly, to my understanding? Yes, the quality control. I have a skilled watchmaker in my team. We go through every detail, everything, and we control and we test. Also, the factories do the, the testing, but we, we do it also in-house to be sure that everything is as to be expected. If I am filthy rich because I'm from Norway and I have to do with oil, and I'm joking, of course, <laughs> but yeah. uh, if, I, if I have a lot of money and I want peace unique, yeah, is that possible? Yeah, but there are certain criterias if that should be done because it has to stay within the design area and the inspiration. So it can't be too different from, uh, from the concept itself. It has to stay Nordic and Norwegian. It has to stay Nordic and Norwegian, correct. What makes your watches Nordic and Norwegians? The mixture of the... Um, the elements from nature who is inspiration, but I think also a very important thing is that it's it's watches who can be used. It's not watches who can only be used with a nice suit or something. It's like the Nordic people. They go to the mountains, they go to the lake, they go to the fjords. They have to be water resistant. It's, they have to be more like a practical watch. It's, it's not only thin dress watches who can only be used in certain settings. And that's, I think, it's very Nordic in itself. What would you say that is your company philosophy? Our philosophy is to bring a piece of nature into the urban life, like that you bring a nature element for each model on the wrist who can be used in the everyday life of the wearer. Last and another uncomfortable question. Are you willing to tell us what you're working on? I'm sure you're working on something you have to tell us. It's a good timing because this time uh, now I'm in the end of uh, making something really nice, I think. Of course, that's uh, very personal, my opinion. But uh, in 2015, I came out with Arctic Ocean 2. 
Uh, it's a model uh, honoring the Arctic explorers, Fritjof Nansen with the Fram 1 expedition reaching for the North Pole. And that was, in my opinion, again, a very nice case. It's very, very, it has a lot of details, raised and curved sapphire crystal. It has a side plate with the years of the expedition. Really nice ergonomical finish. And uh, I actually worked on it for a long time and I made end pieces for it with a special strap and uh, new dials, new hands and so on. So that's actually a breaking news because the Arctic Ocean will uh, now wow. soon be launched with a totally new expression, still the same case. So it's release date uh, 25th November. Very soon. We will correlate the release of the podcast so it, it matches. Okay, very good. Yeah. So it doesn't come before. <laughs> no. But and it's not it's not far from now. It's just ten it, days. Yeah, I, I mean release in terms of talking about it, but it's the sales are starting in February around. Yeah. Exciting, exciting. Do you have it with yeah. you? Can I see it? Yes. Somebody's double wristing too. Oh wow. Oh, that's a big crown. It's uh, seven and a half. That's a very complex dial. It's a complex shape of the case as well. That's a lot of a lot of shapes. It's really complex. It's uh, a lot of shapes and a lot of nice finishes. So, a good belly, very yeah. good curve of the of the lugs. How about yeah. the strap? Is is it coming on rubber as well? It's not coming on rubber, but uh, it will come on uh, sailcloth. Oh wow! Yeah. As it is a part of this, uh, its inspiration and history and the heritage of the Arctic polar heroes, I think uh, sailcloth is uh, is perfect. Very suitable, yeah. The, the texture of sailcloth would add to the texture of the dial. Good complement of the dial. Yeah. So, oh, so I'm very, very, very positive to this. And uh, I think it's uh, it's great to, to go two steps back to find some of the best and then a good distortion on the on the box of fire really like the, the distortion it's very supple and it's not aggressive it continues it continues the, the the shape of the case exactly and that was a big thing for me when i designed this case that the vessel had to be really really curvy to get the further the continuous uh, uh, sapphire correct and those yeah. lugs those lugs yes what is the the design idea with the lugs, do they represent anything Nordic or Viking or anything like that? Actually, the lugs was more or less the end piece of the case was made to make a more instrumental feel to the watch. Because when it came in 2015, it didn't have these end pieces. And I always felt like it was missing something to land and to make the more like equipment kind of expression of the, of the case. That makes sense. Yeah, and it fits with the rest. That's very interesting. So it will uh, come in uh, in two versions. It's one uh, automatic, uh, both versions, of course. One with the three hands and one with the three hands uh, skeleton. Before the podcast, I-, I was thinking that oh, I have to push you to give me some news, but this was easy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is great timing because this is actually this is when it happens. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. We have a yeah. good history with people spilling the beans on the podcast. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Did we miss anything? Is there anything that you want to add before we wrap this up? 
no, I think we covered uh, a lot. And I look very much forward to February. Then I go back to Oslo to the Oslo Swap Meet. A really nice event. And uh, maybe I this time also see some Finnish friends over there. Actually, you did see a Finnish brand uh, when you were there. Uh, Jurma Watches was present on the last swap meeting. Correct. Really nice stuff they make and uh, nice people. So I hope to see them again. Me too. I'm uh, Actually, I'm invited to the event. So I most likely will come in February. Uh, so nice. uh, we will bother you again. <laughs> Fantastic. Rune, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, we will have another episode together again uh, for future releases. And uh, I'm looking forward to see to see this in person in February or sooner. You never know. I'm excited. This is uh, good stuff. Uh, as always, we we know the quality. We know the, the dedication to quality and the dedication to the customer, how you work with the customer, how you continue working after the, the piece have reached the customers, which is very, very important, just as as important as the watch itself. Honestly, I'm looking forward to, to have you again on the podcast. Likewise, I look forward already and thank you so much for having me. Pleasure is all mine. For the listeners, guys, if you have any questions, recommendations, uh, tips, uh, just uh, we'll have both uh, uh, the podcast and Rune's contacts on the podcast notes. Uh, through Instagram and their website. And until next time, remember, what's beyond horology is time and people. Respect them both. Goodbye. Goodbye.